1: I started thinking about Pastor Marco's um, message on Sunday. And it was about going from bondage to breakthrough. And how uh, the people of Israel, um, it was, he was talking about the people of Israel going into the promised land. And how, um, then he jumped into how when we're saved and we come to knowing Jesus, we no longer live under a curse we can expect to live under blessing. And in order to maintain like a breakthrough, we, we have to be allowed ourselves to be transformed and to be resilient and to be strong and courageous. And when we get saved and we give our life to Jesus, we, when we recognize him as our Lord and, and our savior, we kind of feel like we arrived at the promised land. You know, it feels like such a way, like, ah, I made it. And then, it's kind of like marriage. Once the honeymoon period is over, the real work begins. And Joel and I dated seven months before we got engaged. And they were all long distance for the most part. We were together three weeks uh, in that time. I mean, he asked my dad over the phone if I could, can I date your daughter? My dad's like, oh, sure, you're 3,000 miles away, <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, so, and, and another seven months later, we got married. Um, so, even when we were engaged, Joel moved to Chicago where I was uh, completing my Uh, doing grad school, and he lived with his uncle and aunt, and he would drive over about an hour and a half from the suburbs of Chicago to come and see me on the weekends. He would stay with our connect group leaders, And, um, and we'd get to see each other, and so when we got married, we had a blast because we were together all the time, finally, and we had so much fun, um, as I was thinking of this, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I ate so many cookies in that first year, especially in the winter in Chicago. I must have thought I was a bear and I was about to hibernate. But, like, we just, it was like meals here, meals there. Like, it was, you know how they say the weddings that last, like, a whole week? And there's a feast constantly. It was like that, you know. And then um, our second year of marriage hit, and um, I was about to start. Actually, we got married between our first and second year, but in that in that year, things started happening. my There were some issues with my health that started coming up and then um, i we were looking at what our future would look like after I graduated, if we should come back to Chicago, stay in Chicago or come back to san diego and then uh, Joel was making rap videos with gangsters um, as well and going anywhere from like two weeks of no work to like two months without work. Uh, So it was a challenging time in some ways and then we got, we were both freelancing and so we got our taxes back and we didn't know that we should save a certain amount and so we got hit with that And, and so we had accrued debt and the fear started rising up and it's like, how did he deal with those situations? How did I deal with those situations? Now we have to deal with it together. And um, we have to work through all of that. And I mean, even if, if you're, you're not married right now, it doesn't have to be marriage. Like sometimes we, we're like expecting working for something and you're planning a vacation. And you're like, finally, you have arrived to your destination and they tell you, the pool in your hotel is closed for construction, it's under construction, and the beach has this weird phenomenon that hasn't, it's closed because a weird phenomenon that hasn't happened for, it only happens every 100 years, or something like that, right? And then you're like, okay, well, now what, you know? And I find that it's similar to our new life in Christ. You're like walking, and all of them, they're like, this is great, God is amazing. Ooh, I got laid off. And now what? Or my schedule changed. And all of a sudden, you know, our our jobs change. Our attention is being pulled away in so many different directions. Life happens. Change happens, which is normal, right? But then we find that we're not able to read the Bible the way we were doing it before. Because our schedule has shifted. We're not able to pray the way we used to before. Because I don't have the time in the car like I used to, um, to do that. And we start remembering the amazing God stories that we have, which, side note, that's why we should write them down somewhere, because when we get discouraged, we need to pull out the God stories and start reading through them, and go, God did this, God did that, I can trust him, because he's going to do it again, right? So, and there are moments where just everything feels out of whack, and we find ourselves back in the habits of the past and tempted by and sometimes choosing our old patterns. And it's so frustrating. And I'm like, what the heck? You know, if Christ is in me, doesn't that mean it solves everything? Like, am I not supposed to be perfect now and not have problems now? And so this will make more sense in a little bit, but the title of my message is determined to live on his side so as we look at the people of israel we look at the fact that they were slaves in egypt for 400 years marco was talking about this then the exodus happens and then they are finally free but they have not left the mindset of egypt and after 40 years of roaming around and camping all over the desert oh my goodness camping they arrive at the promised land And so they go from slaves to like free, but in living in a tent and then arriving at the promised land. Now, what is the promised land? So for the Israelites, it was a territory that it was the land of Canaan that God had promised to Abraham. He promised him that his descendants would inherit that land, that territory. For us today, the promised land is living in, a spiritual, in the spiritual territory of God, it's his dominion, his kingdom that has been inherited to us because Jesus paid the price. He gave his life on the cross and came back to life so that we could be co-heirs and live it with the same benefits that the son of God has. So it's living an abundant life and getting to live with the benefits as citizens of heaven, right? So the promised land is not a ministry. The promised land is not reaching the stature of pastor. The promised land is not being able to sing in the worship team. The promised land is not reaching a platform. It is not a destination. It is not reaching our greatest dreams. You know, that's a skewed version. And when we, the Israelites arrived at the promised land, they still had to fight battles to take, to inhabit the territory that God had said was theirs. In the same way, everything has been given to us. And we have the inheritance. And sometimes we have to fight battles and we have to say, "Hey, hey you, old pattern. Hey, worry. Hey, anger. Hey, impatience. I know you've lived here for a long time, in my soul, but this territory is actually God's now. So it's no longer It's no longer my territory, but Christ's. And now I'm the sidekick of the Holy Spirit. And together, we will fight to take back the peace, the joy, the patience that God inherited for me, to me, right? So, the Bible says in Romans eight thirty seven that the Lord has made us more than conquerors. But sometimes, just like the people of Israel, we lose some battles because we don't seek God and we choose to do something different. And we lose the focus on God and we focus on something else ever so slightly and we take matters into our own hands. We bypass the voice of the Holy Spirit. I've had him say so many times, shh, be quiet, don't say that, and I'm like, but Lord, I'm like, I gotta say it, I gotta defend myself, I gotta say what I think, so we say what's on our mind And then we just throw in a verse and excuse ourselves somehow in there, you know? Um, So I was talking to my dad about this um, and we were talking about three types of individuals. So we have the natural man, the carnal man, and the spiritual man. Girls don't get offended. They can be carnal women you know, natural woman, carnal woman, spiritual woman. The natural individual is a slave. It's, they're a slave to their emotions. And they don't know Christ yet. And they, he or she does not live in the territory of God. They have to fend for themselves. And they're constantly, they have to live in defense mode. The carnal man has received Christ. They know him. The Holy Spirit lives in them. 1 John 2.27 says that the wonderful anointing we have received in God now lives in us. That wonderful anointing, that's Holy Spirit. And so the anointing is the Holy Spirit. This is the first anointing of the Holy Spirit. He comes to live in us. So this carnal individual, they may be exposed to the presence of God, but they don't live, they don't operate from it. They operate from the ways of the world, from the old territory, the last territory they lived in. And so they have access, but they don't go there. And they're still guided by their emotions and what they feel they want to do. And they don't receive the promises of God and the inheritance of God. And you're like, oh, Elda, come on. You know, Galatians five, nineteen to 21 says, the behavior of the self life is obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in our way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? It's like, oh. Uh, Children children are guided by their feelings. And in John 1.12, it says, But those who embraced him and took hold of his name he gave authority to become the children of God. Now, the word for children here is the word teknon, which means offspring, a small, a small child. And we become a small child of God. When we're in this carnal state, we believe in God, but we don't live in faith. So in faith, faith requires action, Right? So, in James 2.26, it says, For just as a human body without the spirit is a dead corpse, so faith without the expression of good works is dead. Okay? The spiritual individual is always communicating and talking with God, and they do not take independent actions. So, for example, Joel and I have an agreement that if, if I'm doing a gig, I'm singing somewhere, or he's going to travel for work for an extended period of time, we need to talk about it before we say yes. And there's always communication going on. Sometimes even in the little decisions, I'm like, how does this look? Is that okay? And he helps me make that decision, right? But, but we're, we, sh- we strive to always be communicating. And then um, before decisions. So there's a, it's that constant communication with God. and our model for the spiritual man is Jesus. Jesus, his focus never changed. It was always on the Father. And Jesus did, and he spoke what the Father told him to. We see this in John 5:19. Jesus said, "The son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do." For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. And then John 12, verse 49 and 50 says, again, Jesus says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me, he gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. So he did not operate unless he had instruction from the Father. And he also operated with a second anointing of the Holy Spirit. You're like, what? We see that he gets baptized and the skies are open. The dove comes and Mark 1 11 says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the, the, this, this is where with Jesus, like it says that the Holy Spirit rested, came upon him. And so he wants to also come and rest on us. In Acts 1:8. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in all these places. That was Pentecost. That's when the Holy Spirit came and rested. Now, Holy Spirit wants to come and do that. And if you have a hard time thinking about a dove coming and resting on your shoulder, then just think of yourself as a pirate with a parrot. (laughs) You know, and just like power, you know, Um, like that. Thank you. Okay. So that's why I'm not a comedian. All right. So you two can do miracles and do greater things than Jesus did. He said it, not me. (laughs) Right. Okay. So are you guys doing okay? All right. Not throwing too much. Okay. The carnal man is like a small child, right? We said that. He's led, or he or she are led by their emotions. They're impulsive. A spiritual man is different. They're led by the spirit of God. Okay? Romans eight fourteen says, for as many are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. This time, the word sons means, uh, it's actually a word called huios, and it means mature son, grown up. So, in the, I love the Passion Translation, which you probably have up there, maybe. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. This is a great version. So, the spiritual man also benefits from a Holy Spirit harvest. On Galatians 5, this is a famous fruit of the Spirit passage. It says, but the fruit, the harvest produced by the Spirit the Holy Spirit within us, is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life of full virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. And we might have heard these in a different way. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. By the way, those of you that are parents, there's a song out there. That's like the fruit of the spirit is not a coconut. Go look for it. The kids love it. Um, so when we forfeit our relationship with God, we stop seeing the fruit. And the fruit of, it's not fruits. It's fruit, right? So, it's, so I was listening to, um, this was a message uh, about a, a week and a half ago. And the speaker was saying that, that they, they speak quite often and that they had seen, he, they, he was seeing miracles all over the place. He was, he was praying for people and they were getting healed. And then he would give them words of knowledge, which is like specific information about their life that there's no way that you, he would have known. And it would be right on. And then another prophetic word and it was great. And his messages were well received and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then he got home. And he could not handle his kids. He was getting angry all the time. His patience was like limited. And he, I mean, he's so, so brave, but he said he told his wife, oh my gosh, I stopped. Like I let go somehow of my relationship with God for a second because the fruit is not there. So we can operate in the gifts of God, but not be those can't be changed so you can be good at teaching playing sports like those the gifts of God are irrevocable they won't change he's not going to take them away he's not like oh you gave me this water I'll take it back you know he doesn't do that so you can we can still operate in them even when we're not talking to God regularly and we can be successful and if we if we find that we're missing the fruit then we need to invest in our relationship with God. And then the fruit comes, right? Yeah. I was thinking about this and I was thinking, when we get wounded, it's like we have like seeds of woundedness and can get, can get planted. And if there's a fruit of the spirit, that means that there's a seed of the spirit as well. I'm like, it made me think of that. And we can choose to water that one. As we're relating to God, I heard something fantastic said, most sin is looking for a false substitute for the fruit of the Spirit. Most sin is looking for a false substitute for the fruit of the Spirit. So what is watering? To me, watering is worshiping. You're all worshipers here. We were created to worship. The question is, what are we worshiping? We're always worshiping. We're always watering something, but what are we watering? Are we watering the seed of woundedness, of bitterness? Are we watering the seed of the spirit? And the, so the fruit of the spirit can come like a chia pit and grow. <laughs> so as we look at the three individuals, oh no, actually, I forgot. Other ways that we can water it, talk to God. Just simply, I, was, I sometimes want to make it so complicated. I'm like, maybe I need to do a 40-day fast. Maybe I need to like get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to be able to do this. And, and God's just like, talk to me. Just talk to me. Tell me what's going on. And we can read our Bible. We can meditate on the word we read in scripture. My dad was saying, you can like think of a verse and then all day just kind of be chewing on that verse, and we can worship, just praise God, thanksgiving, thank him. And we can, we can speak in tongues as well, pray in tongues as well. So in looking at th- these three individuals, the natural, the carnal, the spiritual, it may seem, you might be sitting there and going like, oh my gosh, this lady is crazy, it's impossible to walk as a spiritual man. There's no way. And I've recently been in that thought. And I felt like I was reading my Bible and nothing was happening. I was being diligent in that, but I felt like I was just reading words. And I was doing well in corporate settings like this. I was feeling encouraged by the messages um, here at church and on podcasts. And that was getting me by. But I felt like connection was missing I was that there was more and we had some changes to our schedule over the last year and I just things just felt out of whack and I was hanging in there but it was just like okay like here we go and I've been reading the Bible in a year and um, excuse me I'm gonna have some water And it's been going through First and Second Kings, and then First and Second Book of Chronicles of the Kings, and you see all these kings that either it says they did evil in the sight of the Lord, or they did good in the sight of the Lord, and mostly evil. Um, but one little line stood out to me, and I'm, I'm reading the New King James Version, and this. This in Second Chronicles two, 12, 14, it's talking about King Rehoboam and how he did evil. And it says, because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. And I was like, how that work? How do you prepare your heart to seek the Lord? Do like have to say like a certain prayer a certain amount of times to then be ready, you know, to seek him. And then I saw it again with another king. And it said that he prepared his heart to seek the Lord. And then I saw it again uh, recently in the book of Ezra. And our son's name is Ezra. And this is the verse, this is why we named him Ezra. Because we were like, there has to be someone in his generation that lifts up the banner for the word of God and says, this is it. We need to live by this. And Ezra 7:10 says he Ezra had prepared to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. And I went to look for the word prepared and I found that the word prepared means determined. Yeah. To set our heart in a certain direction to decide. And it made me think about how in my marriage to Joel, I am determined to live with you, to serve you, to serve with you all of my life. And I don't want it any other way. <laughs> yeah. And it also made me think about when I struggled with suicidal thoughts that maybe life would be better if I wasn't around. There came a point where I determined that taking my life was not an option. And I was determined to live. So in a season of not feeling good enough or feeling like I'm falling off the horse of the spiritual man (laughs) constantly, I felt like God came and was saying to me, Elda, don't worry. I know that you have determined in your heart to follow me. It's been 30 years. I was nine. I received Christ in a concert and I was one of the few children that got up. And I knew the song that the guy was singing was Marcos Vidal. And he said, who am I that you have loved me? And somehow, at nine years old, that hit me so hard. And I said, I need him in my life. I need him. I'm determined to do this. And, and I felt like God was saying, Elda, No well, actually it was like saying like the same thing I said to Joel. God, I'm determined to live with you, to serve you, to serve with you all of my life, and I don't want it any other way. And when I asked God, what do you want to say to people on Wednesday night? I heard him say, "Tell them I am here." I am committed to be there for you. I'm not far away. And God says to you right now, I, the Lord of Lords, I am determined to live with you, to serve you, and to serve with you for eternity. And I don't want it any other way. Those are God's word to you today. So he wants us to live a life tonight, living determined to live on his side. Enjoying the benefits of having him as a father. Enjoying the benefits of being co-heirs with Christ, taking the territory that has our name on the title. And enjoying living a life of power and miracles with the harvest of the Holy Spirit. I want to invite... The ministry team up, if you could come. Maybe you feel like you have been seeing the spiritual individual in your life, but at moments you're falling off the horse, like me. And today it's time to hear God saying to you, Hey, it's okay, it'll happen, you'll fall but I know that you have determined to follow me. I have your heart and you have mine. And maybe you're here and you have been living as a carnal individual. You met Jesus, yet you're operating from a slave mentality and living in the old territory and you and your family are not seeing or enjoying the benefits of being on his promised land, on his kingdom. And you're ready for a change. You're ready for Holy Spirit. And you want to say, you know what? This day, I determine to prepare my heart. That I follow Jesus. I will follow Jesus no matter what. I repent. And if I fall, I will get back up. And I will choose him again and again and again and again. But returning And you can say, returning to the old is not an option for me. This is your day of saying, I will not. It's not an option. And you may be here, and you have been living as a natural individual. You feel like a slave, with Jesus not in the picture. But you've been listening tonight and going, I want to prepare my heart to seek the Lord. I I want to leave my impulsive life behind and go in a different direction. And I want to live on his side. Today, we can pray with you and be witnesses as you say, I am determined to seek Jesus. And then, whatever category you fell into today, come, get a witness. When we get married, When people get married, they get a marriage license. It's a contract. And you have to sign it, but you have to have witnesses. And so come to the altar, and these people are your witnesses. And tell them what you choose today. And they will help you pray, and they will pray a blessing over you. And if you want the Holy Spirit rest on you, maybe you're like, man, I've been doing this, but I just need, like, to feel like I'm living in the power, I just want more. Then come and say, I want that. And have someone pray for you. And God, I promise you, he told me even during worship, I'm going to do it, Elda, I'm going to do it. I could feel the giddiness of God saying, I will empower them to live a life of miracles. I will. We're going to see it from El Cajon. I declare and I prophesy that we will see resurrections from the dead in this campus from people that are sitting here. We will see miracles that have never been seen before. People are going to be like, what the heck? I need to go there. That's weird. And they're going to go, who is their God? Who is their God? I'll make him my God. So I encourage you. Come tonight. The band will play a song as you come down. And, and you can come and have people pray for you. And let me pray for us right now. God, I thank you so much for your, what you're about to do. God, I thank you that you meet us no matter where we're at. I thank you, Father, that you hear us. You do not look at us with condemnation of you should be doing this. You should be doing that. But you say, hey, come. It's okay. My arms are open and I'm ready to receive you. I have more for you. I have better for you and I have more than enough and I never run out. If you have come before and you're like, I can't come again. I'm saying, the Lord is saying, come back. It's okay. It's okay. Father, I thank you for the transformation that you're gonna do tonight, for the refreshing that you have for us all today. Lord, and so we give you the glory and the honor forever and ever.